You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back and brought to you by Outside Edge Hockey, hockey player development at OutsideEdge.ca. We're speaking with Pat Malloy. The topic is synergistic approach to scouting, analytics, development, and performance. And Pat, you know, we're talking about scarcity in terms of understanding, and, and I thought Brad brought up a really good point about we talk about best player available that at a certain point in the draft that tends to wane in terms of looking at specific players and player styles and positions that are necessary because there is a deficiency in your organization. But then if you look at it from performance standpoint or player development or asset based, there are certain playing styles and positions that are far more scarce in the NHL, that are far more valuable when you do hit on them. Like we look at power four as, as an example. We look at a player like Tom Wilson and that ilk and how few power forwards there really are in the NHL, the Matthew Tuchucks, the Brady Tuchucks of the world. And we look at offensive defensemen of how few of those really are in the NHL and how valuable those are. And you can look at that and take try to find information from all those different sources and stitch that together so that they can go to you as a player development and say, hey, what do you think about what do we need to succeed as an offensive defenseman in this league? So as that playing style, from a development standpoint, what do you think we need? And then you're looking at it from the, through the scouts lens and you're looking at it through an analytical statistical lens. So, you know, and then looking at it from a mental component, because the mental stress is on, you know, an offensive defenseman may be different than a defensive defenseman. So from your perspective, it, you know, how do you, how do you add synergy to that approach? You know, it's an interesting way. I'm a big believer that, that each organization has a style of play, a view of which the way they want their team to play and, and when you talk about best player available, you know, that, that's, that's one way of looking at it. I, I like to look at it from a, do they fit the blueprint or the DNA of the way this organization plays? And you start to see the most successful organizations, they have a blueprint. They have a, a, a commonality about the way they play, but the pieces fit. So they're not necessarily, you know, jamming round holes and square pegs and, and this it, it's it's people fit within the mold of the way they play the game and so you know if if we know that we can go and find you take a power forward for instance how many good size decent skating good skating kids are there at the major junior level that that maybe aren't given the freedoms to develop into better versions of themselves or more modern versions of what the power forward game is now because they're, you know, they're turned into straight line, you know, puck pursuit type players and don't necessarily wind up pushing the needle at the pro level, you know, with the right resources to go and look and say, all right, this player checks these boxes from a mobility perspective, from a base skill set perspective, and from an information or gameplay processing perspective, but they're really playing a linear get after it kind of game because that's what's required in in major junior. And that's what the, the coach wants me to play like. Can we uncover the fact that maybe there's more under the hood of that particular prospect that when channeled and, and, and maybe pointed in the direction of realizing some of that trajectory, again, that becomes a competitive advantage. And, you know, from the development perspective, hockey's such a creature of habit type sport in that, you know, here I am in, in the city of Ottawa and you'll go around the city of Ottawa today and you go into any rink that, that happens to be 
you know, operating or, or, or has prospects or young players in it. And it's, it's jumping over this. It's their eyes glued in their boots. It's, it's, you know, static state power skating that doesn't really change much in a player's ability to move. And it's, you know, we see that at certain levels where rather than in figuring out how a prospect learns, enhancing their ability to take in the information that'll allow them to push the performance needle from a gameplay perspective, skills and development gets painted with, uh, you know, did they get a million puck touches with their eyes down at one isolated speed, jumping over things or going down the ice on one leg and doing something that isn't, you know, transferable or realistic to gameplay or emptying the garage out on the ice. And then wondering why, from a perspective of, does it appear they have skill, but they have no game relatable skill and it doesn't translate and their analytic numbers drop because they don't have any ability to change the fortunes of the people on the ice, their team when they're on the ice, but they spend the bulk of their time in development season doing things that really don't aid them to improve. And so, you know, for me, I think it's understanding organizationally, how do we want to play? What things do we value? And then look at some of those things that are sort of undervalued, but high priority from our organizational belief, because we know we can develop them and bring them out in people. Again, that leads me back to that uh, competitive advantage that I think when you apply the right people, the right smart people in the right positions and, and have that blueprint to follow, it can really be a competitive advantage. Pat, do you feel that the NHL teams uh, should basically create more specialized development roles uh, for for player types. So for instance, we just discussed power forwards, right? Yep. My, my question is, instead of giving you, so let's say we give you theoretically Matthew Nyes, and mm-hmm. we know that you're a specialist in being able to help develop a player's ability to create so- a pocket device in small areas, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's something that theoretically Matthew Nyes uh, isn't very good at or developing yet, Okay. Is it one of those situations where if, if you have multiple player development coaches, one that's more generalized and one more specialized, that gives a significant advantage? Or do you believe that it shouldn't be that way? It shouldn't be based off specializations. It should be more generalized. And then the, the blueprint is created uh, beforehand. And then you can just have, you can have a much more clear-cut, efficient model uh, that, that's just well-rounded. I, I, you know, for me, I, I think in terms of the organization, when we talk about that four-pronged approach, understanding what our scouts thought and what drew us to bringing this person into our organization, for instance, how we evaluate them, what our analytics crowd says in terms of, you know, our organization's analysts look at it and say, this is the way we see this person impacting. And then from a development and performance perspective, I I think that when you evaluate, you'd recognize, all right, here are the physical tools we have. And, And maybe the development coach that deals with said player becomes the one that's got you know, the ability to impact from a learning perspective, the, the area of developmental need that we identify as a department saying, you know what, it isn't a strength issue. It isn't a, uh, a postural skating issue. So maybe the skating coach isn't the person, but maybe it's the person now that can take some of the granular uh, video. It can take some of the granular habit-based training and say, you know, here are situations where, you do a good job of getting a, a wall built around a puck, but you don't accelerate in, on first touch to create the next spot and then habitually look to make the next play. 
you know, you're happy to possess it. And, and, you know, because potentially your body type or your, your play type to this point, in your career has been one that I'll just battle until the next play makes itself available because I can't see anything else, but that versus, you know, recognizing maybe it becomes creating some movement, getting some spacing, you know, opening lanes and, and seeing that, and then building those little micro skills, from a technical standpoint that allow me sort of macro tactical execution, meaning, you know, take the small wire, the small parts of the chip and then allow it to work as a a bigger unit. Once we've built that proficiency uh, and confidence in those movements from, you know, the A to Z approach in terms of what's next. And so I've always been a big believer that especially young players, they earn the right to advance for sure. But if you feed them, the right things you'll find they'll digest a whole lot easier than if we're sending things that maybe don't apply to them, their play type, their body type, their talent type. Number one, number two, if, if we don't put it in pieces and in ways that they can learn it uh, and, and ways that they can process that information and apply it to themselves, that becomes a bit of the issue. So for me, I think it's having the people within the department that no matter what the case may be, you know, for instance, if it's a postural thing, if it's a skating deficiency, there might need to be someone within the organization that is a skating specialist that can relate to how do you skate within the game of hockey, not another ice sport potentially that, you know, allows for level change or has different demands on their body than maybe a hockey player would, but, you know, helping a a player like that recognize you don't have to skate like Connor McDavid to be effective in skating the game as, as you being you and you being the best prospect and player that you can be. But it's, it's really for me having those resources to lead, you know, the right aspect of what they need. And, and so sometimes that's a player development coach that was a former player that, you know, they can act as a mentor from the perspective of, you know, helping players grow through what it is to be a young pro and those things, but there's more to it than that, right? There's, there's people that spend their lifetime teaching skills. And so because you did something doesn't necessarily mean you can teach it or that you can identify it's as a deficiency in another person, you know, come up with a blueprinted plan on how to teach and change patterns, habit patterns, detail patterns, identification skills, awareness skills, some of those things that, you know, the people that do that stuff for a living are are quite differently, you know, different in their approach than someone that may have done it for a while as a player, but didn't really recognize how do I teach this? And what do I do if the way I teach it's not absorbed and I have to figure out a new way to teach it so that the player that I'm dealing with, you know, understands it and can apply it. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest links is having done something's great, but, you know, especially in a development capacity, it, it's not about you. It's about your ability to impact change in your student. And, and that's, you know, that's something that you can't get around the concept that just because maybe I can do something, if I can't empower you to do it through my teaching method or my teaching process, then that, that information is, is lost within me, unfortunately. Pat, once again, uh, fantastic segments. Really appreciate your insight and look forward to uh, speaking to you in the future. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's Pat Malloy. We're going to take a quick break on Hockey Prospect Radio right after these messages.